Here is the preface of the Proceedings and Collections of the Wyoming Historical and Geological Society for the year 1918, Wilkes-Barre. The year 1918 has been one of unusual disturbances. Our country entered actively into the Great World War, and members of our historical society did their full duty by enlistment in the Army, by work on committees, and by contributions to all liberty loans and other war funds. These things took the attention of our entire community, almost to the expulsion of other matters. Towards the end of the year, we were visited by an epidemic of influenza, which was more widespread and fatal than any disease which our country had ever before experienced. Under these circumstances, all business and social matters were very much affected and thrown out of their normal balance. Notwithstanding these disturbances, our historical society kept its doors open except for a short period and carried on its work as well as was possible. During the year, we held our four regular quarterly meetings, at each of which a paper was read, and they were attended by audiences with which we were much gratified because of their size and interest. The papers which were read at these meetings are published in this volume, the issue of which has been somewhat delayed by the unusual conditions existing during the year. The focus of one of those papers presented in 1918 before what is now the Luzerne County Historical Society was Wilkes-Barre native and former lawyer, well-known artist, George Catlin. And the volume features one of his letters back home. Less than a year before his death in 1872, Mr. Catlin wrote to his old friend Steuben Butler of Wilkes-Barre in part as follows. My dear ancient comrade, it seems strange to me, after an absence of 35 years, to hear the familiar sounds of names that once were so dear to me, and which, amid the strange vicissitudes of my eventful life, I had almost forgotten. The conversation of your friend in his several visits to my exhibition have rekindled old associations of my boyish days and renewed the resolution which I long since made to visit the far-famed and beautiful valley which gave me birth, and my present desire is to do it before long. I want once more to tread the soil of my old hunting grounds, Bear Creek, Ten Mile Run, the Seven Mile House. The paper also called attention to Catlin as a visionary, stating, In 1832, George Catlin originated the idea of a United States National Park, and the paper suggests that when, in 1869, the surprising and amazing images of the Northern Wonderland, now known as the Yellowstone National Park, were brought to public notice, Catlin's idea seemed to have taken root. In addition, the paper included an assessment by Edwin Swift Balsh, Esquire, of Catlin's artistry. Evidently, Catlin has strong artistic memory and it was that quality which enabled him to get so much life in his work, for his humans and animals have both action and motion. They are alive. They stand plumb on their feet. They walk, they run, they jump. They have none of the arrested motion of certain academic work. It is the matter and not the manner of Catlin's pictures, however, which is of supreme importance. 
the paramount value of his pictures lies in the subjects and in the fact that the subjects are handled realistically. His pictures are extremely original through their subjects and they are absolutely individual because the subjects appealed to Catlin and were motives to him. There's nothing idealistic about his pictures. They are not imaginative. They are pure realism. His Indians are not the Indians of romance, nor of the warped mentality of hostile whites. His Indians are the real thing. That from a paper presented to the Wyoming Historical and Geological Society by Oscar Jewell Harvey and published in the Society's 1918 Proceedings. Edwin Swift Balsh, Esquire, a member of the Philadelphia Bar, wrote an entire monograph on the art of George Catlin, and he took steps to memorialize him in the county seat of justice. Now, just over 100 years later, lawyer John Lacuda is working to keep George Catlin's memory alive where he was born and went on to practice law. John Lacuda is an arts and environmental advocate who is passionate about history, and he brings all three to bear in his public art projects. We had a chance to speak by phone with John Lacuda about his upcoming projects involving George Catlin. March the 1st, 2022, will be the 150th anniversary of the founding of Yellowstone. And I have been involved with uh, like-minded individuals and some uh, entities in northeastern Pennsylvania to highlight the fact that the road to Yellowstone started here. It started here in eastern Pennsylvania, and it started here in 1829. Now, 1829 was the year that John James Audubon spent six weeks along the upper Lehigh River, accompanied by a Jediah, an Irish, and he was looking for birds to paint. And he found to his uh, dismay that the large-scale logging along the Lehigh was decimating the bird population. And while he saw the connection between decimation of the environment the habitat and the decimation of of the bird species, he was never able to come up with an idea to reverse that or to slow that or to stop that. That same year, George Catlin, uh, who was born in Wilkesboro and who practiced law in Wilkesboro, was working as a portrait painter in Philadelphia, I believe. And he was rather rather successful being a a painter of uh, prominent men and women. But in 1829 a delegation of Plains Indians was on their way to Washington to meet with the government. And he was so impressed by their quiet dignity and their, their noble demeanor and manners that he gave up painting fashionable women and prominent men and devoted the rest of his life to documenting the Indians who he considered authentically American. By 1832, He had traveled to the upper reaches of the Missouri, painting portraits of various tribes, uh, the Lakota Sioux, Crow, Comanche, and the Hadatsa, and the the Mandan. And when he got to the mouth of the Yellowstone, which is on the line between um, present-day Montana and present-day North Dakota, he was dismayed at the, the decimation of the bison. And... He really could not see how 
the wanton slaughter of the bison could be sustained, particularly when it was aggravated by corrosive effects of the mercantile culture of the whites. Uh, and it was going to have a devastating effect on the hunting culture of the Plains Indians. On his return trip down the Missouri, he stopped at a place that was called the Mouth of the Teton. Now it's called the Mouth of the Bad River uh, around Pierre, South Dakota. And he, he sat under a plum tree uh, on the banks of the Missouri, and he contemplated the, the predicament that the Plains Indians were facing. And he says in his letter, uh, it's called Letter 31, in his compilation called the Letters, Notes uh, on the Manners, Customs, and Conditions of the North American Indian, which was published in, in 1841, I believe. He says that he sat there and he opened up a pocket map from a satchel. And he sat there and he contemplated it, and he writes that while he was contemplating the map, he felt like he was being lifted up on invisible wings, and he could see the entire great plains of North America, and they were being overrun by Indians and by whites killing off the bison. And he reasoned that the only way to save the Indians and their hunting culture was to save the bison. The only way to save the bison was to save the habitat. And he does this in 1832. That is four years before Thomas Moran was even born, and that was five years before John Muir was ever born. That was 100 years before George Menendez Wright advocated the inclusion of wildlife in national parks. It's 115 years before the Everglades were set aside specifically to preserve the habitat. And uh, you don't have to take my word for it. In his book, the author, John Ewer, has chapters devoted to people like uh, Charles Bird King and, and Albert Bierstadt and Frederick Remington and, of course, George Catlin. But I don't want to read from Mr. Ewer's book, from his chapter on George Catlin. I want to read some excerpts from his chapter on Thomas Moran. And Thomas Moran is sometimes called the godfather of the national parks. But this is what Mr. Ewer says. A peculiar chain of circumstances attracted Thomas Moran to the American West. The natural wonders around the headwaters of the Yellowstone were one of the most persistent legends of the West. Late in the summer of 1870, 19 men led by Henry Washburn explored the fabulous region and found the geysers, the hot springs, and other natural formations even more inspiring than they had been pictured in words by the old traders like John Coulter and Jim Bridger. That winter, Nathaniel Langford, a member of the expedition, lectured in Washington and in New York and wrote an article entitled The Wonders of Yellowstone, which Thomas Moran illustrated for a magazine. This experience stirred Moran's imagination and his desire to see the region, and as a result, he borrowed money so he could accompany Frederick Hayden's or Hayden's expedition as a guest artist. He met the pioneer photographer William Jackson, and this is what Jackson remembers. In fact, the best appraisal of Moran's contribution to the expedition uh, are summed up by Jackson. Jackson recalled that Moran left the party's base camp 
with his memory as well as his portfolio and sketchbook stored with his abundant material, eager to get back to his studio and began work on those magnificent creations that were to bring fame and fortune in the years to come. But he also did much more for the American people. Morant illustrated Haydn's article in which the geological features were featured, and he, he now has the opportunity to do paintings, and he did monumental paintings of the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, which I think is now in, in Congress. The author, John Europe goes on to say, True, 31 years earlier, George Catlin had suggested that the entire Great Plains be declared a national park to preserve both the bison and the Indians. But in those days of rapid national expansion, his pleas fell on dead ears. And it's sad to say that George Catlin, in his letter, Mouth of the Teton, said, I would ask no other monument from my memory other than to be known as the founder of such an institution. And to my knowledge, there is not one park, not one preserve anywhere in the United States or elsewhere dedicated to, to George Catlin. In fact, when he died in 1872, he was buried in the family plot of his wife and did not even have a headstone until 1961. He was totally forgotten. Uh, but that was rectified by the great Western American artist, John Coleman, and I've had the opportunity to speak to him. In 2012, Coleman dedicated and donated a statue called The Greeter, which was a statue based on a painting by George Catlin of Black Moccasin. Black Moccasin was a Hidatsa chief who actually met Lewis and Clark and later on went back to his village and was known and painted by George Catlin. So this sort of ignoring the person who first created the idea for a national park has in some ways been lessened. Uh, at least there's a monument on his grave now, and that grave is in uh, Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, New York. And in the months leading up to the anniversary of the founding of Yellowstone, I have been involved with several like-minded individuals and with uh, several institutions, and I'm involved in a series of events that are going to highlight both George Catlin as well as Thomas Moran. The first of those is going to be held Friday, September the 17th, starting at 9 a.m. at Nescapec State Park. And it's going to be a step-by-step -step painting of an image based on a painting by George Catlin. And I'm going to be leading people, and they don't need to have any special talent, any special experience, and I'm going to lead them in a way to paint this image, and it's called Buffalo Bull Grazing on the Prairie. I have, I think, five hours set aside for them to do this work, and anyone, any adult, can participate. However, space is limited. It's limited to 14 people. I know that uh, there's been great interest in this, this project already. You have to sign up. You have to register that for, for this project. And you can do that by calling Nescapec State Park, and that number is area code 570-403-2006. Or you could go to Nescapec State Park events, and you could register. In the event that we have more people who are interested than we can accommodate, people should not despair. We have agreed that we're going to have a, a waiting list. 
and we're going to do a similar project probably in November based on another work by George Catlin, and that other work is called Buffalo Bull, A Grand Pawnee Warrior. And I picked that, that work for the reason that it's a sketch and it was never completed by Catlin, and it is sort of like a work in progress, just as our national parks are a work in progress. The next event is going to be dedicated to Thomas Moran, and that's going to be held at the annual Chalk Fest in Wilkesburg, and that will be on Saturday, October the 2nd. And I'm going to do a 7-foot by 12-foot outline of Moran's Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone. That's the actual dimensions of his first version, uh, which was painted in 1872, I believe. And I'm going to invite kids to come in and color it in as they see fit. It's a free event. Uh, It's held every year, weather permitting. And that will be October the 2nd at the Millennium Circle on the Wilkesboro Common, which I think has a uh, a direct connection to the, the founding of Yellowstone as the world's first national park. As you may know, George Catlin uh, was a, a lawyer, and he actually practiced law in Luzerne County, and he was a Connecticut Yankee, and so therefore he was familiar with the concept of a, of a town green or a common, which was used for many purposes, but most often it was used as common pasture ground for the town's livestock. And if you consider that in 1832, he suggested the creation of a national park, I think that he already had a model, and I think that was the idea of a common. In 1841, ten years after Catlin was at Fort Union, John James Audubon also went to Fort Union, also saw the decimation of the bison, also was upset by it, but he never came up with any idea. And that's because I don't think he had any model to follow. He was a Frenchman born in Haiti, and he was not familiar with the idea of a common, whereas George Catlin, who was a Connecticut Yankee, was. And I think that his mentioning the fact that he opened up this map of North America is somehow a reference to the idea of the River Common, and he just took that idea and extrapolated it exponentially. His idea was not to create a small park to preserve geysers and mud pots and fumaroles. His idea was to create what we would call a biosphere preserve. And his idea was also to include in the habitat the livestock, that would the Indians' livestock, the bison, and the Indians themselves. So he was thinking in terms of what we would now call an indigenous national park, such as they have in Brazil. So that will be the second event, and it will commemorate the contribution that Thomas Moran made to the founding of Yellowstone, because his paintings, his watercolors, his sketches, helped to convince Congress, along with the photographs of William Henry Jackson, that these tales of, of geysers were actually true, and they set aside what, what became Yellowstone. So I'm dedicating that particular project to the memory of Thomas Moran, who actually helped to bring the idea of a national park into fruition. And then, happily, there's going to be an exhibit at the art gallery at Marywood University, 
starting on November the 6th, and it will run through December the 11th, is the last day of the show, and it is going to feature 25 lithographs from the collection of the Lackawanna Historical Society. And you have to remember that that is completely appropriate because during his entire life, from 1796 until his death in 1872, Lackawanna County, or what we call Lackawanna County, was part and parcel of Luzerne County. They were one and the same county. The Brooks University Sardoni Gallery is also going to host a kids arts project on their family hour, and that's going to be November the 20th, and that will be part of a series that I am using my sketches of two works by George Catlin, which will be done in November of 2021, and two more sketches done uh, based on works by Thomas Moran, and that will be done early next year. And the sketches that the kids can do on November the 20th at the Sardoni Gallery are going to be Buffalo Bull Grazing on the Prairie, as well as Buffalo Bull a Grand Pawnee Warrior. And I'm also going to ask the Sardoni Gallery to have some just sheets of paper, blank sheets of paper available. And for kids who are maybe not interested in coloring, I'm going to ask for them to envision a place, a locale, a spot that they're familiar with, which they think should be treated like a national treasure. So for older kids and maybe their parents, they can use their imagination to envision someplace, preferably local, that really should be treated like a national treasure. Not necessarily made into a national park, but treated like a national treasure so that kids can start to see their surroundings with new eyes. And that's going to be Saturday, November the 20th at the Sordoni Gallery on the campus of Wilkes University. Next year, 2022, I hope to continue with the panel paintings. I've selected two works by Thomas Moran. The first work is called Valley of the Catawissa, Autumn, 1865. And I've picked that for a number of reasons. First of all, the Catawissa Creek has its headwaters in lower Luzon County. Second of all, this particular painting is probably the, the best landscape that Thomas Moran did of Pennsylvania. In the years after he went to visit England and was enthralled by the paintings of Turner, he came back to Pennsylvania, and he did a series of, I think, 48 paintings in eastern Pennsylvania. But in my estimation, the, the best of these 48 was his Valley of the Catawissa. Additionally, I think that Valley of the Catawissa was used by Thomas Moran as a model for his monumental Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone. Both have rugged, rocky features in the foreground, a tree on the left-hand side, and then sloping hills or a sloping landscape and a glimpse of a, of a river. In Valley of the Catawissa, it's a glimpse of the Catawissa Creek, and in Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, it's a glimpse of the Yellowstone River, and that's why I picked that. And those two paintings I hope to have done as panel paintings for adults at various locales in and around the area, and also as coloring projects for younger kids, again, at Sardoni Gallery 
in the early part of 2022. And finally, the Luzerne County Bar Association has agreed to host another exhibition of the works of George Catlin, and I have gotten a commitment from the Lackawanna Historical Society, as well as the Luzerne County Historical Society, to have their works included in this exhibition. Hopefully, it will be done in February, which will be before the actual anniversary, and hopefully it will take place in the rotunda of the courthouse in Wilkesboro, which is on a part of the original River Common. And if people are not familiar with the courthouse, it's a magnificent building built in 1909, I believe, and it has four entries. And above each one of these entryways into the rotunda, there is a mosaic portrait of a prominent person and the one associated with art is George Catlin. So we're going to have an opportunity to see his work in the place where I believe his idea for a national park has its roots, in a building where he himself is actually honored, one of the few places that I know of that George Catlin has been honored. And we're also going to have a focus on Thomas Moran, because while George Catlin came up with the idea for a national park. It was Thomas Moran and his artwork, along with the photographs of William Henry Jackson, that helped convince Congress to set aside Yellowstone as the world's first national park. Attorney John Lacuda, arts and environmental advocate who is passionate about history. He brings all three to bear in his public art projects, including the Road to Yellowstone Starts Here that will be offered at Nescapec State Park in Drums for Adults on Friday, September 17th, beginning at 9 a.m. The event is free, and again, it's open to adults, and registration is required. Nescapec is spelled N-E-S-C-O-P-E-C-K, N-E-S-C-O-P-E-C-K, and they have a Facebook page, and they are also listed as part of the dcnr.pa.gov website. dcnr.pa.gov website, and that's Nescapec State Park, Drums, Pennsylvania, Friday, September 17th, and that's this Friday at 9 in the morning. The event is free, and registration is required. On October Second, as part of Chalk Fest, there will be a program for young people at the Millennium Circle Portal, River Common Park in Wilkes-Barre. The event is free. For more information, riverfrontparks.org. Marywood University in Scranton will host an exhibition, and that is November 6th through December 11th, and that will feature lithographs of George Catlin, from the collection of the Lackawanna Historical Society. The show is titled George Catlin, North American Indian Portfolio, and that's again November 6th through December 11th, and there will be an opening reception on November 6th from 2 to 4, and a gallery talk on Wednesday, November 17th. On Saturday, November 20th, the Sordoni Art Gallery will host a program that will be especially wonderful for young people. The Sordoni Art Gallery is located at 141 South Main Street in Wilkes-Barre on the campus of Wilkes University, 
And for more information, wilkes.edu, wilkes.edu slash Sordoni Art Gallery, S-O-R-D-O-N-I, wilkes.edu slash Sordoni Art Gallery. And more to come in 2022.